In fact, we are starting a new series this morning called Overcomer. I believe that we are called to be overcomers. We have that today. We have that victory. It's a series on the life of Jesus as we prepare our hearts for Easter. We believe in the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. And that means that he experienced everything that you and I experienced in our lives. And because of this, he is able to empathize with us in the midst of our, in the midst of our own suffering. And so at this Easter season, as we prepare our hearts, let us never undervalue the defining moments that led to his victory on the cross and over the grave. This morning, our scripture comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. I'm going to invite you in your homes to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, the scripture should be on the screen. You can join with me in reading this aloud. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for Luke chapter 4. We thank you for Jesus and his example of overcoming temptation. God, we too can overcome temptation because you have taught us the way. You have taught us to be full of the Spirit. You've taught us to be men and women of the Word. And so today, God, we choose to be overcomers through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it with your strength at work in our lives. Jesus, there's so many areas of our lives where we need to overcome. So many battles that each of us are facing today. But Jesus, I pray for your victory. As we sang it today, ours is the victory today. So Jesus, we thank you. Father, would you speak to everyone in their homes today? Lord, we pray for their protection. We pray that you'd watch over them as they come and they go. And Lord, add your blessing to your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the foundational theological concepts is the hypostatic union. Jesus is fully divine and fully human. He is both the Son of God and the Son of Man. He has two equal natures in one person. He is the preexistent one before creation. He is also the co-eternal one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not a theory. This is a fact. We believe it to be a fact. 
The Council of Chalcedon in 451 AD defined these two natures as being without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. Shai Lin, a Christian rapper theologian, has lyrically presented the hypostatic union of Jesus as 200%. Now, I'm not going to rap for you this morning, although you'd probably like for me to do that so I can embarrass myself. That way I can go viral on YouTube. But instead, I'm just going to read the rap. (laughs) So get ready. Are you ready? You'll hear the rhyme for yourself. The Son of God, 100% divinity, Self-existent second person of the Trinity. Magisterial imperial at the helm, infinitely transcending this material realm. He's so original, getting to know him is pivotal. Behold the invincible, prototypical, holy principle, possessor of all divine attributes, the omnis, wisdom, grace, beauty, love, wrath, and truth. He's the one that all creation was made through, and by him the earth's foundation was laid to. Ask the angels, they saw it on pay-per-view. Satan created Satan too. Matter of fact, he created you. And nothing can escape Jesus' sovereign rule from the furthest galaxy to the smallest molecule. So who deserves to gain fame? By the word of his power, the universe is maintained. In other words, put the cosmos back on the shelf. Without Christ, reality would collapse on itself. Jesus, the marvelous author of all consciousness beyond what the sharpest biologist acknowledges. He needs no archaeologist or smart apologist. He sees all hearts. Omnipresent cardiologist, master of logic, macrocosmic novelist, following any other god is preposterous. Okay, I'm halfway through. Get ready. The son of man, 100% humanity. The mind stretches to understand how can it be. You got to see what he does. Becoming what he wasn't while never ceasing to be what he was. Is your mind flipping? That got you tripping? Me too. But the scripture is true. Peep Philippians 2. By faith we believe this amazing Jesus who made Uranus and Venus became a fetus. It's such a secret that few if anybody knew it. Months later he covered, he's covered in amniotic fluid. The subject of the Gospels, the praise of the apostles, armed with eye sockets, armpits, and nostrils. Who is this Jesus, God clothed in human weakness, super sweetness, and peace for the true believers? See the one who never tires, knocked out, sleeping. See the source of eternal joy, weeping. Which one can explain how the sun, abundant with fame, who made thunder and rain, now has hunger pains? To the creator of water become thirsty on the cross when he saves from the slaughter of the unworthy. My awe should be sky high. I ought just to cry. Why? And with water in my eyes, when the author of life dies, raised on the third, God, man, soul seeker, the hypostatic union, it gets no deeper. You can applaud for me at home. You see, we must see that the temptation narratives in Matthew 4, 1 to 11, Luke 4, 1 to 13, give us this glimpse into a larger spiritual struggle, a big cosmic battle between God and Satan and good versus evil. Because Christ was tempted, he is able to fully identify with us today, with us humanity, you and I, because he experienced temptation as well. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
The first verse we see that Jesus, he departed into the wilderness full of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Now, why would God lead a Spirit-filled Jesus by, and who, who is Spirit-led into a confrontation with Satan, his arch-nemesis? James 1.13 clarifies, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So let me be clear today that God may test us, but it is Satan who tempts us. And the devil tempted when Jesus was physically weak, but spiritually strong. Quite often the opposite is true of us. We are either physically strong, but spiritually weak, or we're physically weak and spiritually weak. Yet if you're full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, you cannot be overcome, but instead you will overcome. Number 40 is significant in Bible numerology. Jesus' wilderness experience is reminiscent of Moses. Moses, 40 days on top of Mount Sinai, and Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Jesus' temptation signaled a new beginning, that he is the rival of a new Moses, and he gives us the possibility of being a perfected Israel. And if you find yourself today in a wilderness place this morning, you can overcome temptation the same way Jesus overcame overcame temptation by being full of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, being armed with the Word of God in your heart and upon your lips. As Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 states, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So friends, in this battle of temptation that you and I face, it's time to start winning and it's time to stop losing. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. This morning, I want to propose three temptations that Jesus faced in Luke 4, 1 to 13, that you and I have likely already faced in our lives, but we will continue to face in our lives, and we must overcome each and every time. The first one is the physical temptation. We find this in verse 2b to 4. Scripture says, he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Well, if you've tried fasting before, it's hard work. If you fasted three days, seven days, 21 days, some of you maybe even 40 days, you can just imagine the hunger. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. As you can imagine, the pain and the pangs of hunger in his stomach, growling, growling, growling. This just reinforces that Jesus was human, just like all of us. Now, Satan was well aware of Jesus' divinity. You know, he knew that he was God. He knew that once before, Satan was an angel, and he was in the heavens, and yet he knew he was divine. But in this moment, Satan is unfamiliar with Jesus' humanity. Satan challenged the omnipresent, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, Jesus, to turn, to turn a stone into bread. This is a physical temptation to self-provide rather than to just trust God to provide. 
And Jesus' response suggested that he had been feasting on something of greater substance all that time through those 40 days. And we learned that it was the word of God. The word of God was in his heart. The word of God was ready upon his lips. You see, we can eat bread, you and I, but we will become hungry again. But there is a bread that satisfies, and that bread is the word of God. It is therefore insufficient for us to live on bread alone. Now, we know this because Jesus quoted scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And if God fed the Israelites with manna, then certainly... God can feed Jesus. Certainly, God can feed you today. As you go to the stores, as you make your way and you quietly and quickly go to the stores, maybe go to Food Basics or Sobeys, and you see all the shelves are empty today, I want you to know that God, our God, will miraculously provide food to feed you. The temptation in life is to fool ourselves into thinking that we do not need God in order to meet our basic needs. Food, water, shelter are all of his gracious gifts to us we should not take them for granted today we cannot only recognize god as the creator of life but today we must also recognize him as the sustainer of life to be led by hunger is to also be led by one's flesh. And Jesus is teaching us here that we cannot succumb to the temptation of the physical things in this world. As physical beings, we have various urges in our body, urges for hunger. Another dominant urge in our body is a sexual urge. And just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean we must immediately satisfy that urge. In a physical and increasingly more digital world, we must make an effort to choose God above all other things. Refuse to let your life to be driven by carnality and instead by your spirituality. Second point this morning is emotional temptation. We find this in verses 5 to 8. The scripture says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan speaks as if everything on earth belongs to him. He's mistaken. Everything belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He likes to pretend that he is equal with God when even he himself was a created being and he must answer to God. One of the things that fuels this convoluted idea of being equal to God is his desire to be worshipped just like God. And he proposed an exchange between Jesus and himself. And in his mind, he thought if Jesus is divided in himself, only part God and part human, then perhaps he might do as humans have already done, and he might worship me. Psalm twenty-two twenty-eight puts things back into perspective for us, friends. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. So let's just get that straight today. The earth does not belong to Satan. Though Satan will work through political powers, though Satan will work through evil people, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
Jesus already has this delegated authority from God over the earth and over the nations. He is the one who is worthy of worship. I want to highlight to you that word instant. Instant. We live in an instant gratification culture and society. We have internal sinful motivations for instant power and instant fame and instant fortune. And if we cannot have it right now, this very moment, then what's the point? You see, nothing worth doing comes easy. We live in this tension between the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Now is not the time to rule and reign. Now is the time to trust and to obey. And if we trust and obey now, one day you and I will rule and reign with God. I've heard many pastors say it this way. Satan offered Jesus a crown without a cross. In actuality, it is the cross that actually gives way to the crown. Let's get that straight today. If Jesus gave in to the emotional manipulation of Satan, there would have been no cross, which is the symbol of our salvation. And knowing that he would one day take up the cross, Jesus prepared his disciples to embrace the cross-bearing lifestyle. In Matthew 16, 24 to 26, the scripture says, Then Jesus, he told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would lose, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man or a woman if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Friends, whatever you can gain temporarily on this earth will be eternally lost. And whatever you lose temporarily on this earth will be eternally gained. It's all about perspective. Third point this morning is spiritual temptation. We find this in verses 9 to 12. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This time, it's not Jesus who immediately quoted scripture, but it is the devil who said, it is written. He quotes Psalm 91 verses 11 to 12 for verbatim. You see, Satan is an expert manipulator of scripture. He knows the truth, and then he twists the truth for his own purposes. He uses scripture as a proof text, taking scripture out of its original context and twisting it. Good students of the word of God will determine the meaning of a verse with the context of a chap- within the context of a chapter, a chapter within the context of a book, a book within the context of a testament, a testament within the context of the grand narrative of God and his redemptive story. I find it ironic that in the midst of all this COVID-19 world that we're living in, the chapter that I find we all return to is Psalm 91, this chapter, a passage that we often read when we're in distress or when we're in meeting with somebody who is in distress and trying to encourage them with God's word. And God certainly promises that he can take charge and he can give charge upon his angels to save his servants. But we are not in a position to test God with the sanctity of our lives. This is not one of those, if all your friends told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it instances? 
See, God's word is written for our protection, not for our extortion. Satan is tempting Jesus to determine if his humanity is real or artificial. Will he respond if he dies? Or is he like a cat that has nine lives? Or is it impossible for him to die because heaven's angels will not permit it? Because if he is truly God, then they are bound to protect him and move into action at the word of his command. But as we know, Jesus can die. Jesus will die on behalf of the sins of the entire world. Jesus rebukes Satan with scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 16. It brings about a scenario in scripture where the Israelites were grumbling because they needed water. And just as Israel had quarreled and tested God in Exodus 17, 7 by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So too the devil tested Jesus by questioning the validity of the word of God and his own promise of protection. Even in the garden, it was Satan in Genesis 3, 1, who in the form of a serpent said to Eve, did God really say? I mean, come on, Eve. Did God really say don't eat of this fruit? Well, the spiritual temptation for us is to listen to the voice of Satan and to put God to the test. We do not need to conduct a simulation or an experiment in order to know whether God's word is truly true. You see, we cannot live a life of negligence. We must live a life of confidence. This is not a blind faith, but this is the very substance of faith. Faith is being confident in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. This is faith. In the midst of what you're going through right now, in the midst of all that's happening in our world, I encourage you to lean into God, to have faith, and let that override all the fear that you may have. Friends, we're in a spiritual battle today. As I conclude this morning, I'm gripped by the reality of the last verse in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. It's not something that should scare us, but instead it is something that should prepare us for the next temptation that you and I will face. Scripture says when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. When was that next opportune time for Jesus? It would be at a mission critical moment of his life, several mission critical moments of his life. And there are two particular instances that I want to bring to you today in your homes. The first is Peter. Peter was used by Satan. Remember how Jesus rebuked Peter in Matthew 16, 21 to 23? Scripture says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Satan, Satan had asked to sift the disciples as wheat. And as you know, Peter would later deny Jesus three times. So Satan used Peter. Secondly, Judas was used by Satan. Remember how Judas was depicted in Luke 22? 
Verses 3 to 4, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. The very person who was counted among the inner twelve disciples was the one who was used by Satan to betray Jesus. And just as Jesus had a mission, my friends, he has also given you and I a mission. And I was telling our team that was here this morning, the few of us, that in many ways, the circumstances we're living in, it feels like we're taking a moment to take a break from the mission of God. In fact, this is the moment where we need to step into the mission. We can't take a break. We can't just sit at home. I know that we have rules to follow. There's some restrictions placed upon us. But we need to be on mission in these critical moments. Satan's mode of operation is to do everything he possibly can to get us off mission. And he may even use the people who we thought were for us and use them against us. But the good news is that while your family and your friends may fail you, Jesus will never fail you. No matter what you're facing this morning, a physical temptation, emotional temptation, a spiritual temptation, God has not called us to be overcome, but he has called us to overcome. I love how the message translation renders it, 1 John 2, 12 to 15. You've, I remind you, my dear children, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. You veterans were in on the ground floor and know the one who started all this. You newcomers have won a big victory over the evil one. And a second reminder, dear children, you know the father from personal experience. You veterans know the one who started it all. And you newcomers, such vitality and strength. God's word is so steady in you. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one. So friends, even as you're housebound today, maybe you're working from home this week, God has ordained this time in our lives to strengthen your fellowship with him. Don't squander this time. Don't waste this time. Get strong in the Lord. And every child of God, whether you're a veteran or a newcomer in the faith, will face your share of temptations in this life. It is inevitable. And if you've overcome a temptation recently, let me tell you, it's going to come back again. The only way you can be victorious is by being filled by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, knowing and being armed with the Word of God. Because Jesus overcame, you can overcome today. Amen. This is our vision for victory. Let's pray.